Well, we're going to pray again in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. As we prayed earlier in the song, Lord, we are open. We just give you permission to do whatever you want to do. Absolute permission, Lord, to do whatever you want to do. We pray, Lord, that, that we would be fertile soil, our minds, our hearts, our souls, that you would just remove any of the thorns and the thistles, Lord, that you would dig up any of the, any of the rocks in the rocky soil, that you would till through and cultivate uh, the trodden path, that we would be fertile, fertile soil, Lord, for the word you speak tonight. We ask the intercession of St. John the Baptist today on, on this feast of his martyrdom, as well as St. Joseph and Our Lady. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. John the Baptist, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. After Scott introduced the night, so how about Scott and Amelia and our new missionaries? We're pretty pumped to have them, huh? Yeah? There's, there's some seats in the front, in the middle section. If anybody wants to sneak on up, no, uh, be not afraid. After Scott spoke, I'm like, well, you can just come up here and give the talk, man, about the encounter with the Lord. Like, that's what we're seeking. God moves first. God's initiative is always first. And that is our response to him. And, and that response is, is that encounter of prayer. And the Lord reveals himself. And so I want to start tonight with a word from God's revelation. And I want us to, as we're thinking about that, like pause again, okay? So God, God, infinitely good in and of himself. Needing nothing, needing nothing, has chosen to freely reveal himself to us. And we have this in the scriptures that it's not a dead word. It's not just a book about God. That is the living word of God. That the Lord speaks, that the Holy Spirit now and today, when, when we encounter the Lord in the word, the Holy Spirit speaks Something old and something new. And so we're going to read. This is from the 24th chapter of Luke's gospel. It's one of the accounts of the resurrection of Christ. And we know this story. And and I want to invite you just to pay attention to the words and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you again something new. Be like, oh yeah, I know this story. But ask him to speak to you something new tonight. And so the context of this is Jesus had been crucified. And the, the apostles are hiding in the upper room. Some of the other disciples are hiding in the upper room. And, they're, and they're, everybody's freaking out. And Mary Magdalene and some of the other women on Sunday morning are going to the tomb to, to, to get the stone rolled away, right, so they could go in and anoint Jesus' body because they didn't anoint it beforehand. They didn't have time. 
So they're going to anoint his body, and they recognize there's an angel there. Well, not what we expected. He's like, the one you're looking for, like, he's not here. He's risen. Go. You can go tell everybody. So they run back. They run back to Jerusalem. They run back to the upper room. And they're like, hey, y'all, guess what? We saw a flipping angel. He said Jesus is alive. We went in there. He wasn't in there. There was like the garments like, oh, my goodness, right? And so in the midst of this, this is the context of this. So it says, now that very day, so this is the Sunday of the resurrection. Two of them were going to a village seven miles from Jerusalem called Emmaus. They were conversing about all the things that had occurred, and it happened that while they were conversing and debating, Jesus himself drew near and walked with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Jesus himself drew near and walked with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing as you walk along? They stopped looking downcast. Can you, they're like, I mean, do you not know, right? So one of them, named Cleopas, said to him in reply, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know of the things that have taken place there in these days? Translation. Idiot. Why are you asking me a stupid question? It's kind of what's going on. Like, are you, I mean, like, are you the only person on the face of the planet that doesn't know what just happened? You see the look on my face? Seriously. And so he continues, and then he replied to them, what sort of things? Okay, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, where somebody asks you a question, and you're like, are you really asking me that question? And you, and you kind of make it clear that you're saying to them, are you really asking me that question? And then they ask you another question about the same thing. And like, didn't get the clue, right? Captain Obvious, come on, where are you, right? So it's a, what sort of things? The things that happened to Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all his people. How our chief priests and rulers both handed him over to a sentence of death and crucified him. And this is key. But we were hoping that he would be the one to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it is now the third day since this took place. You know, so they, they're, they, you can almost hear in their hearts, they're like, oh, this is Jesus, like a prophet, mighty in word and deed. And, and then the scribes and the Pharisees, and they took him and they crucified him. It's almost like as they were proclaiming the reality of like this sense of faith in who Jesus was, their hearts almost turned up. But then when they spoke about his death, then you can, you can hear the doubt and the despair return. You know, but we were hoping that he would be the one to redeem Israel. And besides this, it's, it's three days since this took place. And then there's another twist here, right? Some women from our group, however, have astounded us. 
They were at the tomb early in the morning and they did not find his body. They came back and reported that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who announced that he was alive. Then some of those with us went to the tomb and found things just as those women had described, but him they did not see. Notice, they got the first, like the, the report. They were there, the first report, where Mary Magdalene and the women are like, we saw the angel who told us that Jesus is alive. And then other people went and said, okay, the tomb is empty. We didn't find him. They come back. And then, but, but think, what are these guys doing? They're leaving. They're leaving. Hey, we just had this report. Even Jesus had proclaimed to us that he was going to suffer, die, and rise. And we just had this report that angels have spoken that this is the case. And they're like, hmm, that's too much. Like, like I, I saw him dead. And they're leaving. And so then Jesus says to them, oh, how foolish you are. How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets spoke. And when he says this, it's like his heart is breaking. It's, it's not you idiots, right? His heart is breaking. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them what referred to him in all the scriptures. And as they approached the village to which they were going, he gave the impression that he was going on farther. But they urged him, Stay with us, Lord, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And it happened that while he was with them at table, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to him. And with that, their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, were our hearts not burning within us while he spoke to us on the way and opened the scriptures to us? So then from here, right, they go back to Jerusalem. They go back. Now they're like Mary Magdalene. I'm like, y'all, we have seen the Lord. He's made known to us in the breaking of the bread. Tonight as I was praying about asking the Lord, like, Lord, help me to know what you want to speak tonight. And, and I'm never absolutely convinced that I always get that right and always figure those things out right. But to the right, the best that I, the Lord has laid on my heart is this, this experience of doubt, the temptation to doubt. And so, like, that's real. And what, what I want to put forth, and I feel like the Lord wants to speak, is that be not ashamed. When you are tempted to doubt, be not ashamed. Be not ashamed. Even the first disciples who were there with Jesus, even the ones who had right, Mary Magdalene come back and say, we, we, we've seen the angel. Like the Lord has risen had the temptation of doubt. Like, this can't be. Thomas, right? 
I love Thomas. If you go in my office, there's Caravaggio's painting of, of quote-unquote, doubting Thomas. Because Thomas wasn't there when Jesus appeared to them later. He goes into the other room. Thomas is not there. Thank you, Lord, that you showed up when Thomas was not there. Thank you. St. Gregory the Great was like, this was in God's providence because Thomas's doubt and then belief heals our doubt and removes shame from the temptation to doubt. Because the temptation to doubt is not itself a sin. To willfully doubt, right? To willfully doubt is a sin. And if we willfully doubt, then praise the Lord for his mercy. We return to him. But the temptation, like the pressure, the things, the thoughts, like, mm, this, this Jesus thing just, I don't know. I don't know. And so Thomas, right, Thomas experienced this, like, guys, I don't know if I can believe what you're saying. You're telling me you saw him alive. I saw him dead. And but, but Thomas stays, right, and he waits, and he's wrestling. And imagine this, Thomas, for a whole week, for a whole week, Thomas is in the upper room with people who saw Jesus, Mary Magdalene, the, the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, Everybody else who was there for a whole week, I, I, I can just imagine the wrestling in Thomas's heart. Like, I hope they're right. I hope they're right. I hope they're right. I hope they're right. But what if they're wrong? Like, I know these people. Half of them are idiots. Right? I mean, Peter's a fisherman that can't catch any freaking fish. Like, I mean, come on. I know these people. And then maybe the question, right, and maybe one that, that's sometimes most painful is like, well, why did he show up to them and not me? Like, why did this person have this encounter and adoration? Why did, why did this person have this thing happen to them where they, they felt the Lord loved them or encountered them in this way and not me? Like, is something wrong with me? All these questions, right? All these temptations of doubt. And Thomas, he doesn't leave. Like, he stays. But even in the leaving, like, even in, as the disciples on the road to Emmaus, like, Jesus follows them. We can have more examples of this. John the Baptist. Today is his feast day. The feast day of the martyrdom of John the Baptist. He died. Right? He died. Because of his belief and faith and proclamation in Christ. And to the truth. Now, when he was in jail, what does he tell two of his disciples? Hey, go ask Jesus. Are you the one who is to come? Or should we wait for another? Now, how do you interpret that, right? Different church fathers have interpreted that different ways that, that John the Baptist is telling these two disciples, like he knows who Jesus is. He's fully confident in that. He had the experience of baptizing him and hearing the words of the Father and the Holy Spirit descend and all of these things. Like, so he's fully confident. He just wants to send these disciples to Jesus. Hey, that could be exactly what happened. But it could be that he himself, temptation to doubt. And actually, Pope John Paul II, Pope Benedict, and Pope Francis have all written, written different like commentaries, right, and given homilies about this, this experience of the temptation to doubt of even of John the Baptist. 
no shame. No shame in the temptation to doubt. I'll tell you, you know, you can go read, you can read about Padre Pio, you can read about Mother Teresa, you can read about St. Therese. Like, pick a saint who there's a lot written about their lives, especially in the last couple hundred years, and there's going to be some aspect of them going through, right, whether it's the dark night of the soul or something similar, where there's a temptation, real, visceral temptation. Padre Pio's journal, you can hear him read, like, over, like, just pressed upon him and pressed upon him and pressed upon him and pressed upon him like doubt, the temptation to doubt. Not willfully doubting, but that temptation to doubt. Present and pressing. And he's just like just making an act of faith, calling on the Lord, all these different things. Again, St. Therese, Mother Teresa, you're asking, no shame. I, I stand here before you that like, the reality is, um, you know, in the past month, there have been these periods and these moments where, like, real temptation. Like, hey, man, this Jesus thing is, is really not real. Like, I'm in my chapel. I got a chapel in my house. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. I'm in my chapel, and the Lord's right there in front of me in the Blessed Sacrament, right? And there's, like, my temptation, temptation. And it's, hey, like, what are you doing? You're kind of wasting your life. Because this whole God thing and the Jesus thing, like, and it's, like, real, real thoughts and I'm like I don't like this not exciting and, and, and the enemy comes in right the enemy comes in St. Ignatius says he gives false reasoning false reasoning so it's just like reason after reason after reason after reason after reason in my brain while like it's 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 true that the Jesus thing is a fairy tale and I'm like <laughs> This is not good. You know? And, 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 it, and it can just press in upon us. And then you can begin to feel the temptation to like, I'm like, I'm a priest. I got to walk out of here tomorrow and go preach a homily and celebrate mass. And I'm here going, is this real? This is not good. In that moment, it's just like, Okay. Like, and then the grace comes, like, okay, 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 okay. Stop. Hey, Lord, you see me? You see this? I don't know what's going on. Like, come. And, and, and I was like, okay, Lord, remind me. Remind me of the moments when I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that you were real. Remind me, like, like, bring it back, bring it back. And then just making these acts of faith, right? Praying for the gift of faith, sitting in that moment um, that's there. Blessed be the Lord, you know? And then sometimes you get up from that moment and it's still, the temptation is still present. But, but what I really felt like the Lord wanted to communicate tonight is you felt that. 
you're feeling that temptation now, have no shame. He's, he's calling. It's a pretty good moment. Back in the day, angels. Today, those angels are lazy. They're using cell phones. That's right. He is alive. Oh, thanks for calling. Um, but again, so, so this moment. So what do we do, right? So I'm going I'm I'm to just give you a couple of practical things. What do we do with this? Or, or, or a little bit more like when those temptations come, bring them to the light. Bring them to the light. Because the enemy wants to keep it in the darkness and give the false reasoning. Like, oh, you're the only person to ever think this. Don't tell any of your Christian friends. Don't tell God you're doubting him. Don't do it. So bring it to the light. In prayer, right in that moment, like, hey, Lord, you see me? I'm poor. And I'm struggling right now. Like with these thoughts, with these temptations. Come, Lord Jesus, and ask. Ask for the gift of faith. Faith is first a gift from God and then our response. And then to continually bring it into the light, trusted friends, like speak it out loud to other people who you know. Like, hey, this is, like I was thinking this. And it can be embarrassing, all those things. Like I'm going to tell my buddy priest, like, hey, guess what happened in prayer? And they're like, oh, something cool? Yeah. I was like, Jesus ain't real. I don't know. You know, I'm a great priest. You know, so it can be embarrassing, but you just bring that into the light. Bring it into the light. And then part of that too, then you can, you can encourage each other in that. And then pray for, to remember. Like pray for the grace of the Lord. Help me to remember when you revealed yourself to me. And I knew that you were real. Like, bring back those memories to me, Lord. And then also, um, make an act of faith. Like, Jesus, I'm assailed, like Padre Pio, right? He just, man, like, he was so, I mean, the intensity. If you read some of his journals, the intensity of the attacks. And just making these acts of faith and making these acts of faith and making these acts of faith by the grace of God, uh, making that willful act that's there and encourage each other in that moment. Now, two places I want to invite you to go as well too is to Scripture and the Eucharist. Why? Because they are revelation. It's a revelation of God, the movement of the Holy Spirit. And the Eucharist is his very self. And he is present there. So, again, in summary tonight, if you experience the temptation to doubt, again, the temptation to doubt and actually willfully doubting are two different things. If you experience the temptation to doubt, have no shame. No shame. Bring that to the Lord. Like, it is an experience of all Christians at some point in their journey. If you have willfully doubted, Go to confession, and Jesus is going to forgive you. It's all good, right? 
The Lord's mercy is so good. Bring it into the light. Speak to the Lord about it. Speak to your brothers and sisters. Encourage each other. Pray for memories, like to, be, to remember when the Lord has moved. And then seek him in the scriptures and seek him in the Eucharist. And persevere through faith. Make these willful acts of faith. Lord, give me fortitude. Continue to move forward. And then the Lord will lift the veil. Like I said, and then their eyes were opened. And they could see him. And they recognized him. So we're going to pray for that grace tonight. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, that you would console our hearts, Lord. That you would remove any shame from any experience of doubt we have, of temptation to doubt we have ever had, Lord. That you would forgive us, Lord. That we would come to you in repentance and, and any, any willful doubts that we've had, Lord. Experience your mercy in the sacrament of reconciliation. And that, Lord, you would lift the veil. You would lift the veil tonight, whatever may be blinding our eyes, and you would give us faith. Jesus, give us faith. Holy Spirit, give us faith. Come, Lord, come. Let us receive. Let us encounter you in a profound way, Lord. And then from that moment, let us go. We have seen the Lord. He is risen. He is risen. We ask this, Lord, in your most holy and precious name, Jesus Christ, amen.